This is Framed, a podcast where a group of friends get together once a week to talk about movies, what we liked about them, what we didn't like, and how they're made. I'm Elliot. I'm Robert. I'm Phil. And I'm Brennan. On this episode of Framed, we take a look at Your Name, an anime feature film in which two teenagers swap bodies. Spoilers. Spoilers, yeah. Oh yeah, maybe. Well, that's in the, that's like in the all the advertising material for the movie. I think that's okay. That's allowed. I think that's allowed. I think that's like that's in the official synopsis. I did not uh, realize how recent this film was. Yeah, wasn't it just like the past? It came like, out in two thousand years ago. Yeah, yeah, two years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty recent. I didn't. I didn't know that. I thought it was like a early 2000s anime. Yep. Just because everyone was like talking so highly of it and everything I read that I thought that it was like a more revered classic. classic. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, this is the, the final film of anime month. Um, this was my pick and um, this was my second time viewing it was this the first time for both of you guys yep yeah okay so who does anyone want to go first i can go first but i'm i'll be sort of describing it from the perspective of i've already seen this once sure yeah do we want to just go through the plot or do we want to just jump in with thoughts uh yeah let's uh let's do our round table of thoughts yeah i'm I'm trying to remember how we do this because it's it, it's, it hasn't like we, been any time at all. We are very good at keeping up with our schedule. Right. Yeah. No time has passed between episode 11 and episode 12. None at Not all. Not a single week. <laughs> Robert, Plus, I think it changes every time anyway. I feel like we do it different every time. <laughs> we do. We don't, we don't really stick to a very consistent format. Consistency is for squares. Um, Brennan, why don't you go first? I will say that this will be one that I purchase. Okay. I went in with, I went into this not, um, I hadn't heard anything about it before or watched a commercial for it, the trailer or nothing. Just went into it raw. Um, That's the way to do it. Yeah, um, I didn't want any type of spoilers or any like type of feedback either way, so I could have my own just thoughts going in. Right. Um, at first, that first switch, I was confused because I didn't know what to expect. I was like, "What? Why is she doing this?" And then I'm, once it that realization of oh they switched bodies mm-hmm. and then after that it just got better and better as i went on i enjoyed the artwork i thought it was very well done just a side um, note this was the uh, same studio that did five centimeters per second which was okay our, our i kind of one yeah it i can see that in some aspects of it but overall, I thought it was really well done. Cool. It kept me on the 
edge of my seat. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed this uh, film. Um, I will have some like nitpicks as we go along. <laughs> okay. Um, with things that I thought, you know, were needlessly confusing or mm. missed opportunities, but overall, I really really enjoyed this film it was my i went in blind as well knowing nothing about it um which in a perfect world is how you'd watch every film i think mm -hmm. but yeah it's it's hard to do that um but yeah cool and were you saying that there was talk about a live action version of this or yeah yeah i think if I recall, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but I think that J.J. Uh, Abrams was attached to either produce or direct and yeah, an American... Yeah, probably using Bad Robot. Yeah, probably a Bad Robot production sort of thing, but they were, they were in talks yeah, to do... Yeah, and Bad Robot um, is working on an American remake. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be interesting. I'm always a little hesitant about... American remakes of of Japanese anime. I mean, there there've been a lot of but examples. Kill Note, Death Note, whatever that was that <laughs> Netflix did was so well received. It was everyone loved right. that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, what am I talking about? Yeah, <laughs> um, they always do so well. Yeah, I don't know if either of you guys know what Cowboy Bebop is. Um, that's yes. another really famous one from from way back, like late nineties. They're working yeah. on an American remake of that, and I'm very apprehensive about that because uh, that that's gonna be. I feel like that'll be hard. Like yeah. I could see a live action of your name. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Cowboy Bebop, on the other hand, I don't know. That's off topic, though. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, yeah, so for me, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, this was my second time viewing it, so I, I sort of had, you know, some hindsight, um, you know, appreciation of this of this film, sort of knowing, like, where the, the twists were. Um, the first time I, I watched it, um, I don't know when we want to get into spoilers, but there's a, a pretty big twist um, at about the midpoint of the movie that um, where they've been misleading you about certain aspects of the story that once it hits you... It it totally took me by surprise. I didn't see it coming at all. And the first me time, as well, yeah. the first time I watched this film, like you could have heard a pin drop. I was watching it with some other people, and you could have heard a pin drop uh, when they they revealed the twist. I, I was just like totally floored by uh, not just um, like the like the content of the twist, but also the fact that they didn't cheat. Like it's if you if you were paying really careful attention, like you could put it together. Figure it out. You could figure it out, right? But I, yeah, I I uh, totally didn't see it coming. Um, yeah. So yeah, I also really really love this movie. Um, I uh, it's beautifully animated. Um, the dub isn't bad. I we watched the um, the uh, the English dub both times, and um, that's what I watched as well. Yeah, yeah. I thought the dub was decent. Just so I could. Just so I could pay attention to everything else. Yeah. 
Yeah, and um, Brennan and I kind of got into this on five centimeters per second, but I thought the um, the way different aspects of, of Japanese culture were sort of represented and how there was a lot of, like, slice of life, you know, stuff in the film, I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah. There are a lot of little places where it's slowed down, and you get to see, like, oh, this is, you know, how the subways work, or, you know, this is what a, a hotel in the countryside looks like, or here's a vending machine out in the middle of nowhere, you know, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. so I thought it was very, uh, very, you know, picturesque and, uh, you know, good, uh, good, good, uh, representation of, of Japanese culture. Oh, and adding, kind of adding to that, there's the, I noticed a lot of like, uh, landmarks in the city, mm-hmm. like well, no- decently known buildings that were there that I was like, oh, I kind of recognize this from from other animes yeah 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 I, none are coming to mind right now but i i do think there were some some landmarks in in this film um like robert um i have some nitpicks that uh things that i would have done differently if i had been making this um just the just little jarring things that kind of took me out of it but on the whole i i thought this was a, a really solid rewatchable movie So, um, do we want to go not scene by scene, but kind of chronologically through and talk about thoughts and, uh, yeah, yeah. But chronologically, you mean the order things are presented in the, film. <laughs> <laughs> yes, chronologically as a watcher, not chronologically in <laughs> right. the movie universe. So the film follows, um, two different teenagers, uh, Mitsuha, a teenage girl living in a countryside, uh, Japanese town and Taki, a teenage boy who lives in Tokyo. And, um, gradually over the first act, we realize that they are, are switching bodies, even though they themselves are not really aware of what's going on. Initially, they sort of treat it as like a dream or they were, you know, in a trance where, you know, we start, you know, the day after they've switched back and, you know, they go talk to people and they're like, oh, you were acting really weird yesterday, but they don't, they themselves don't remember it. Um, what did we all think of how the, the movie kind of gets started this so way? So this is my first nitpick. Mm. Um, I didn't like how they set up the rules of the body switch mm-hmm. um, because we focused on only one of the characters like switching mm-hmm. for the first two or three times, I think, which to me set up like, okay, we're looking at, at her story and her story alone. Right. They, and s- then, they do spend more time with her. And then we play catch up in act two and three and focus a little bit more on him. And just as a fan, if I'm supposed to be following both of these people, I wanted more, more equal screen time. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I see it, that. It was kind of setting it up more, more to be, you know, just her story and less of this ensemble story. Right. Um, I could see how you might, um, yeah, just kind of going into it cold, like how that could be kind of jarring. Cause I think 
you know, they have a lot of promotional material for this where it's like you see the two of them side by side, you know, right. separated by a split screen where, you know, if you, you know, watched a trailer or, or read a synopsis, you, you're kind of expecting there to be, you know, a, a second storyline going on here. So yeah. I could see if you went into it just totally cold, how that would uh, be kind of off-putting. And see, at the beginning, I was thinking actually that along the same lines as you, Robert, as, but then as the ending went along and it opened up more telling about, I think it, towards the end, it kind of made up for it with spoiler, the destruction, the destruction of her town and them alternatively saving the town i felt like i don't know we do spend more time with taki in the second act yeah i think over the course of the film it does sort of balance out also um and i may be forgetting important details i want to say that there's more plot elements in uh, mitsuha's town like the um the the ceremony where they you know they've Yes. save the saliva and then they you know they take the pilgrimage to the the shrine up in the mountains like there's more story elements that become important later in on her half of the story is my recollection of it not that i watched yeah. this weeks ago which, or anything like that which is kind of what i was going with which is why they probably set up more of hers in the beginning mm-hmm. to know kind of what's going on for the ending of the movie. Right, right, right. What did you guys think of uh, these characters? Just like how they were presented? Did you relate to them? Um, yeah, I thought that they, they set them up well with, you know, wants that um, you, you understand what the characters want. Maybe more so with Mitsuha. Um, you know, they established that she hates living in a small town and she wants to, you know, get out and go live a life somewhere else. I thought she was a pretty well-rounded character. Um, I'm having a harder time sort of remembering what Taki's motivation was. Like, he he seemed like he had less going on as a character and he was just sort of more, um, like, getting thrown around by the events of the story. Like just yes, having I would agree with that. having to deal with um, the uh, this love interest that's sort of thrust upon him. Um, I'm forgetting her name, but it's like his uh, his manager at the restaurant where he Not works. The restaurant. Yeah. Um, so yeah. like when Mitsuha is in his body, she's like being flirtatious and setting him up with dates and stuff. And so he's he just has to go along with it when he you know switches back to his own body because she she did all this for him. Um, so he's less of an active character, I guess. Um, again, right. just speaking strictly in the first act, he, he, he does, um, you know, once he decides he's going to try to meet Mitsuha, he does, the story pretty much just exclusively focuses on him trying to find the town that she lives in or lived in rather, I guess. So, yeah, I don't know. What did you, did you have any thoughts on that, Robert? Um, I thought that uh, they actually did a pretty good job of, like, getting you invested in these characters right on the offset. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I thought, because I would say that Act 1 and a large portion of Act 2, like, the, the story is just these people in their daily lives. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing super pressing or, like, hanging over them. Right. Um, so I, uh, I thought that they did a really good job of just, like, bringing the audience in right on the offset and, and making you care about these very simple stories that then became a very not simple story. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. I even feel like they, like the side characters, like the grandma and the sister, the dad, the friends, I feel like their characters weren't, like they weren't, they didn't give like a total background of those, but at the same time you could feel for each of those characters. Like, rather it be, I felt a lot of hatred towards the dad, um, mm-hmm. to be honest. And then, like, you felt that with her guy and girlfriend, their connection, you could kind of really see and feel and understand them, even though we don't have a whole lot to go off of for those characters. Yeah, yeah, they do a good job of fleshing out the side characters, for sure. Especially on the on the Mitsuha half of the story, like all the all the people you listed, um, I, I do, you know, I can vividly remember like what each of them did in the story and sort of how they, you know, a lot of them had their own like little mini arc going on. Yeah. So I thought that was same with, same with like talkies who was on his side, like the two friends from school. Right. And, and then the, the restaurant the, manager lady, the restaurant manager lady, they, Mickey, all three Mickey, Mickey. Yeah. Mickey. M I K I Mickey. Mickey. Yeah. But they kept there like they didn't just like introduce them for a little bit and then them go away. Like there's a lot of movies and shows out there that'll do that. Mm-hmm. They kept them going through Yeah. The majority of it. I felt like Mikai's arc was weird. Um and was used a little too much not too much but like she goes from not really liking this guy at all to being infatuated to being fine that he likes someone else to being willing to go on a day-long adventure with him to go and find this someone else yeah Um, yeah and it just seemed a little convenient. I don't know. Hmm. That's that was going to be my next question. The coincidence level in this, with certain aspects of it, from. Well, I don't think you can tell this story without coincidence because like, that's true. I guess you're, it, it. It's not coincidental that these things are happening because that's like saying, "Oh, the Earth being the perfect distance from the sun for us to not freeze, but to not be burnt alive. What a coincidence. Well, if it wasn't that, we we would be burnt alive or frozen, so we wouldn't be here talking. Um, so, like, in the same way, if these coincidences didn't happen, the story wouldn't exist. So Right. Yeah, I, it depends on how far you're willing to take the the thought that, like, 
time itself is is trying to work to to you know spare these people's lives you know in this really loopy yeah. roundabout way I mean, they're supposed to have the the town's mountain guardian person, the shrine, so right. you could see that, you know, that the guardian was trying to do it. But it, our rules on time travel, as with any time travel story, um, spoilers, it's a time travel story, mm. um, are a little loose and confusing. And it didn't help that we didn't introduce the idea that it was a time travel story until basically the climax. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But you have a lot of like grandfather principles going on. And I, I don't know. It definitely worked. But I think if you sat down, you could probably poke some holes in the ability to go back and change things but if we go back and change things then theoretically his life in the future when he did go back in time would be different so would he actually have gone back in time right it's a little woolly because it's like especially at the end of the movie after it's all over he he just wakes up on the mountaintop and you're sitting there thinking well he would have had no reason to go there to be at the mountain. Yes. If, uh, yeah, because we're now on a new timeline, so it gets a little. Granted, he does. Places. I mean, he does forget though. Like he does end up, other than a slight memory of some reason being there, he doesn't remember. Yeah, it gets a little magical, like wibbly wobbly, there at yeah. the end, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Yeah. Um, but you know, um, I'm. It was within. For me, at least, it was within the range of being forgivable. Like, okay, it's a movie. I was very happy to suspend my disbelief yeah. and just enjoy the yes. movie. Right. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the imagery of this movie. This movie does a lot of, of playing with um, symbols that get reused in different ways. Um, they, they establish... Um, a um, like strings being woven together. They they show yeah. the the grandmother working with um, some kind of tapestry, and you see these all these various strands being woven together. And then you know later there's a um, there's a pretty trippy sequence where Taki is sort of floating through time, and you see like you know the comet that strikes the town uh, turns into a string, or like. You know, you see an umbilical cord being cut, and then that you know corresponds with like a string being cut. Like, what did we think about all of that? I thought that it furthered their story in the like sense of setting theme and tone pretty well, mm-hmm. um, because I think I don't know. We start out with. Mitsuha or however you say her name um, like makes some comment about how she hopes to be a handsome boy in her next life Mm -hmm. Um, so you're kind of setting up like and somewhere in act three I was starting to think like are they different people or are they just like the same person and they just don't realize it yet in you know like different times or whatever right so 
I mean, it was definitely going with the the these these lives are woven together, even though they seem separate and unrelated. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like, at the end, when you, you know, see everything, it, it's cool to look back and see, like, oh, yeah, look at all this, this fun stuff they were doing with interweaving stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't know if it, like, was necessary for the story. Mm. Yeah, it was kind of like a flourish. Yeah. Um, the grandmother has a little scene where she like is aware that it's Taki. Um, Mm -hmm. And she's just like offhandedly is like, yep. When I was young, I switched bodies too. (laughs) That's a thing. It runs in the family. Yeah, And then it talks about, yeah. Cause it was saying something about the daughter doing it too. And then if you noticed whenever, um, she went and talked to her dad. Her dad noticed, and then mm. kind of he kind of like his character kind of changed at that moment for a second. Mm-hmm. So I thought that it was a little weird to be all like, "Yep, this is a thing that happens in this family," but then <laughs> not like explore, explore that. It. Or yeah, yeah, you maybe could have lost that scene, and it wouldn't you wouldn't have. Um really lost that much story wise. Yeah. I think, I think the main thing they were going for with that scene was like establishing her as, you know, the sage old wise, listen to what she has to say character. Yeah. Um, right. But, but doesn't I, she, I thought it, she doesn't believe Mitsuha though. And if I'm remembering correctly, she, when she tells her about the impending meteor crash, she, she like storms out of the house. Like, you know, she didn't believe me. Am I remembering that right? Well, like the grandmother doesn't help since her. I watched it yesterday. Um, <laughs> I remember very vividly. Okay. Um, I want to say there were no, right, there were no but... value changes in that scene. Um, but I, you know, despite the fact that I watched this yesterday, I'm not yeah. recalling what uh, what happened in this scene. So maybe we should move on to a different aspect of this film. Um, well, I don't... Whenever she... I don't, Man, I... I'm just trying to remember, too. Because I don't... I didn't think... Brent, you actually watched, did watch it yesterday. No, he watched I it today. I actually watched it today. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's worse. As I remember, whenever it came to that point, she didn't even actually at first say anything to the grandma. Mm-hmm. But she says, I, like... She, you... I thought she was just saying it to everyone else. Because I was thinking <laughs> she just jetted out of the house. No, I'm pretty sure she, like, tries to tell the grandma that, like, we're all in danger, we need to evacuate, and then it cuts to her storming out of the house, like, well, I'll find somebody who will believe me, sort of thing. I I thought that the ending and the lack of like 
anyone believing that there was any danger was a little frustrating. I feel mm. like if you, I feel like they could have just announced from the uh, town loudspeakers or whatever that a meteor was going to hit. And I feel like people would listen to that. Like, I don't know why they had to go with the forest fire and, mm. like, it, Exploding it, the electrical, all that. Well, exploding, I got why they wanted to kill the power, but so that they couldn't be over, uh, ran. But it, uh, it just, people were too, ready to dismiss danger without like any reason to dismiss danger. Like, I don't know that, that part rung true to me. Like if, um, I, I think like, I'm just trying to picture if I'm like going about my business and I hear over a, a loudspeaker, like, you know, the, the town is about to be struck by a meteor. My first thought would be like, well, is this a hoax? Do I really need to evacuate? And I know that sounds terrible to say, but I think I would probably be kind of sluggish about, getting in my car and getting the heck out of Dodge. Um, I mean, if just a kid ran up to you and said, we're all going to die. Sure. But well, yeah, might, because it's a kid, it's a kid on the loudspeaker. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Um, I didn't also, mind that section of the movie. That part to me felt like, um, you know, your classic eighties, uh, like, kids doing illegal stuff because the adults won't listen kind of thing. Like, right. Like it had that kind of playful vibe to it. So again, I can, I can forgive it if it didn't, uh, if the logic was not totally airtight. I did think that this film had way too many endings. Mm. Um, it was a little Lord of the Rings ish. (laughs) Um, where they were like, okay, we're do- just kidding. Uh, and we're just kidding. <laughs> yeah, something yeah, I else. Been fine. Go, go oh, ahead, go Brennan. Brennan. Oh, I was just going to say, I would have been fine with them ending it um, without them actually seeing each other at the end. Like, back whenever... Oh, I'm trying to think what exactly happened. Whenever they... Um, whenever he, like vaguely thought he saw her and ran after her, but then didn't see her that first time. Yeah. I was really hardcore expecting that to be like, all right, that's where they're ending it. Mm -hmm. No need to go past that. Yeah. I I thought that they dragged out the ending a little bit. Um, But I mean, I was pretty invested with the characters at that point. So I like, I can forgive it, but. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the theme of a lot of things with this movie. Like, Normally, it would be something we'd be like, Meh. Mm-hmm. but then how they they did it, the way they did it was the, a good way of doing it. It's very it's, rare for me to watch a film and really be blindsided. Um, so the fact that they pulled off their reveals so well in this... I'm very willing to forgive pretty much anything else. Exactly. That's, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so to comment on the ending, no, I'm, I'm not, um, not disagreeing with you. Like I, I agree that the ending does go on a bit long. 
Um, but the the way in which they ended it, where they do meet, I think, um, to, to sort of take a side road here for a second, you know, last time we, Brennan and I watched five centimeters per second, which is kind of the inverse of this movie in, in a couple of ways. It really, it really is. So like five centimeters per second is sort of about how people will naturally drift apart from each other and not end up together at the end. This movie sure. is more about like how time itself intervenes to bring two people together. So it's kind of like a, a counterpoint, I guess, to to the the previous film that the studio had released. Um, so just wanted to I, I I had that in my notes to talk about. I, I wanted to get that in there, so I thought this would be a <laughs> good juncture to get get my words out. Segway man. <laughs> um, um, one thing I thought this film had too much of was music video interludes. Yes. Um, and I don't know, for some reason that didn't strike me the first time I watched this with Phil, but then it kind of stuck out like a sore thumb when I watched it with you, Robert. It was like, man, there's a lot of, I don't remember these music videos at all. This is kind of obnoxious. Um, and I don't know if I'm just like not, if this is like a, you know, a Japanese culture thing that I'm just not aware of where sure. this is normal for feature length films to just have a music video commercial break in the middle or, or what, but <laughs> it, it kind of took me out of it. Um, like the, I want to say at the end of act one, when they realize that they're switching bodies, that just everything stops for like a two minute music video. And it was, it kind of, uh, it bugged me a little bit this time watching it. Sure. The uh, the finale in the the countryside town um, was similar. Like, I think any other movie would have done like, you know, really tense, you know, anxious soundtrack to like build the suspense for this impending meteor crash. But instead, they go back yeah. to the theme song, this this kind of poppy, you know, anthem, which I thought was it it, it sort of worked for me, but it was. It was a little weird. I was pretty certain that they were going to save her, but kill the rest of the town. Mm. Um, yeah, whatever. She kind of right around in the time where she fell and fainted yeah. for a second. Yes. Um, which would have been annoying, but also <laughs> kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I thought that they did a pretty good job of not like just giving you the inevitable outcome mm-hmm. in that. Like if someone was pitching me this film, of course I'd sit there and be like, okay. And then they save the town and everything's fine. Cool. Um, <laughs> like that's what I would expect to happen. Um, but I, the film had, earned enough like oh i don't know what's what they're gonna do now moments at that point that i was just really engaged during all of it and did not know and there was a time that i thought they were just gonna have him go through all of this and then fail which mm-hmm. that would have been interesting yeah i think they um, they do leave you in suspense long enough like they you the you you know you see the meteor impact and they leave you hanging for a little bit um, before 
you know, we jump back to Taki in the present and, um, you know, they sort of mention like offhandedly that the, the town was evacuated. So it's like, they sort of, they don't put it front and center. They, they do let you wonder for at least a couple minutes. Yeah. Which was frustrating in the best way, you know, when <laughs> right. you're sitting there like, I don't, ah! <laughs> yeah. A month ago when I watched this, I felt like I could monologue about it for two and a half days straight. But now I'm just like, yeah, it's like in the film where they're like, ah, th these memories are so important to me, but they're fading. <laughs> you should have written it all down on your hand. I should have. So, um... Okay, but really, like, if he's gonna write I love you, I think he could also fit his name on there. Like, come on. <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, kanji take a lot of strokes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I am, I'm, I am relieved to hear you say that you did like this movie overall, because um, after you watched it... Um, you, you very valiantly refused to discuss it, you know, holding it all in for the podcast. And I was really wondering, like, oh, did, did Robert hate it? You know? No, so. I, I thought it was very well done. It's probably been one of my favorite films we've watched in uh, Framed. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely not, um, not as psychologically intense as uh, Perfect Blue. <laughs> that was kind of no. like getting thrown into the deep end of um yes. of anime. I I think you uh redeemed yourself as someone who can pick films uh, <laughs> after last month with this one. The uh, yeah, my last pick was a uh, Shape of Water. Yeah, which <laughs> was Beauty and the Beast with fish sex with fish. And <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I, yeah, this can be a short one if, if you guys are, you feel like you've said your piece about this movie. Yeah. Uh, what do we want to rank it? I'd give it probably a nine. Yeah. Same nine. Yeah. I, I was, I, I was thinking nine too, like nine or 9.5 might be high. I, I'll, I'll go with nine. Yeah, I, I this is not a perfect film. Just like some of the nitpicks we talked about earlier, kind of hold it back from being like, you know, that airtight time travel story. You know, like a Back to the Future where everything just works. Um, right. Yeah. But like, there there's enough going for it, like the the big plot twists and the you know the way information is revealed is is you know pretty smart throughout. So I, I think mean, it does its job so well. Like, yeah. Being a a two-hour escape from reality and mm -hmm. just a fun ride absolutely yeah yeah i yeah i highly recommend this movie to to anyone who hasn't seen it to everyone everyone even if you everyone. have seen it i would recommend it even if you just stumbled upon the wikipedia page looking for <laughs> the swedish house mafia and pharrell williams 2010 song um <laughs> How did you Stop get to what that? You're doing 
And <laughs> on the top of Wikipedia, Wikipedia, it says, this article is about the film. For the novel, see your name novel. For the soundtrack, see your name album. For the 2010 song, My Swedish House Mafia and Pharrell Williams, see our Swedish House Mafia <laughs> song. Link. Ah, I see. So uh-huh. if, uh, if you stumble across it by mistake, you, it, it's not a mistake. It's the universe trying to save you. <laughs> Oh, I, I, if we could jump back in for a second. One uh, aspect I did really like in the third act um, was the um, the band of string around his wrist that he, I assume he wore for the entire movie, but they only draw attention to it towards the end of the film. And um, Yeah, again, they didn't cheat. You did see it beforehand. Right. Um, but yes, it's only drawn attention to at the end. Yeah, my initial thought was like, oh, was that important earlier? And I forgot, like, you know, was was I supposed to have remembered that? And then it comes back in a really nice way at the, the very end of the film where there's this moment we didn't know about where she traveled to Tokyo and ran into him on the subway and gave him this this piece of string. And then, you know, he forgot about it. So I thought that was a really cool like last little thing to get in there, you know, in a movie full of twists. Um, yeah. Would, would this go on the desert Island? Hold up. One more thing with what you were talking about. Oh yeah, sure. That was one kind of hole that I kind of was confused about the whole, whenever he gave that string, whenever they made that connection, he gave that string to her. Or somewhere in there. No, she gave it to him. Well, I mean, no, I mean, like, whenever... Because she didn't remember him, like, whenever they started switching bodies. When... I, I think this was after they had been... So it's a little... It's a little... If you'd, like, straighten it out... Well, yeah, if linear. you would have straightened it out, they would have started switching bodies. Then she went to Tokyo... To try to meet him. Met him, tried to meet him, but they she did meet him. Yes, but see, because he hadn't started switching yet. She thinks he's aware. Wouldn't she still have remembered him, though, after going all the way to Tokyo and meeting him? Yeah, she did remember him, um, but, like... No, because she kept forgetting... She would like was forgetting his name, and, like, like, even after that, was constantly forgetting him. Uh, At which point, like, in the finale, when they're trying to stop the town from getting destroyed like right after that or maybe it was right before that um so i think i want to say so like the she remembers him up to that point but then you know he hasn't had the body switching happen yet so he doesn't recognize her um and then um correct so then you know she Yeah, and then, you know, chronologically, the next thing that happens is the meteor crash. I think that her forgetting his name um, had more to do... It was like... um, I want to say it was like a a magical indication that, you know, the the way time had, you know, brought them together, it was unraveling, that they were, Uh, you know, drifting apart. Yeah, I, I get what you're getting at, like why that would be confusing if, you know... She had this whole history with this guy, and so, you know, she would, you know, why would she forget his name there at the end? Uh-huh. Um, 
I, that's that'll that's the explanation I'll go with on my very clear recollection of this film. Robert, yeah, well, because like she, because she like talks about she's like, I went to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't even remember going to Tokyo. Yeah. Right. I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm gonna go with magical hand wavy. You know, time that, is that unraveling. was just the main. That yeah. was just the main kind of somewhat of a plot hole i yeah it's, it's a little bit of a plot hole i guess um i'll uh you know this is one of phil's favorite movies so i'm, I'm gonna bring this up with him and see what he has to say about it but i i got nothing really it's kind of a hand wavy just go with it kind yeah. of thing um, all right desert island yeah does this go on the desert island i i personally would not mind having this on the desert island i feel like i could watch this you know multiple i feel times. like this is definitely one that you could could watch and yeah. like get something new out of each time mm-hmm. so yeah i would definitely take it on the desert island i mean i plan on purchasing it soon ish and make becky watch it so yeah, yeah. No, I mean, not to, not to toot my own horn, since it was my pick. But if I were to rank the four films we watched um, this month, I would probably put your name at the top, and then five centimeters five per centimeters. second, second, and I would probably put Perfect Blue third, and then I think um, Tokyo Godfathers I liked the least. Sorry, Brennan. It's okay. <laughs> I don't know those two. I liked in different ways. I mean, the first, I would have put your name and then um, five centimeters per second the same. Those last two were pretty equal in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I liked Perfect Blue. It just, it, it's not one I would want to rewatch on on repeat yeah i thought perfect blue was done super well but it also is super depressing so (laughs) it's just dark and hard to watch yeah for sure um but i think we have lighter fare ahead for framed um brennan do you want to tell the listeners what the next category is now that we finished with our month of anime so for our next month we will be doing guilty pleasures Yes. It will be a group of movies, basically things that we like to watch personally that most other people might not necessarily think of as a movie. Not films that we're arguing deserve their spot in cinematic history, but are just enjoyable films that we find ourselves watching again and again. Yeah, yes. yeah. These are not uh, so bad it's good movies. These are more just like movies that we yeah individually like and don't really care if anyone else likes them or not. Exactly. Um, do yeah. we want to go ahead and say what the four are, or do we just want to go one at a time? I don't remember how we've been doing it. Um, Just like we'll talk about just tell them what's coming up next yeah people will see it on the thumbnail as soon as those episodes come out so i think it'll be fine to chat about it for a bit my pick was honey i shrunk the kids and uh 
Brennan, yours was Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite. Robert. Mine was Quest for Camelot. Yes, and then I think Phil picked the room. Which, yes, yes, which um, <laughs> I'm going to be really mad if he does not participate in that episode. <laughs> Makes us all watch the room without him. <laughs> so classic. Well, I'll wait till after to go back on to talking about this again after we say our buys. Oh, okay. well goodbye guys thanks for podding with me yeah bye have a good time yep see you guys next time bye bye